and welcome to the Great Game Debate Podcast, where Fritz come together to talk about video games and our lives. As always, I'll be your host, Kate Berthe Lane. And joining me, our man in the closet, Wes Bates. How you doing, man? Doing great. How are you doing? Pretty good. How's the weather over there in the closet this week? Uh, it's finally getting cool and crisp outside Ooh. out here in California. And uh, yeah, it's my favorite time of the year. Even better, there's a new Metroid game that's out this week. Mm. So I am doing just dandy. I got some extra game time this weekend. I got to go visit our good friend Brad Russell. He cooked me a delicious hamburger. I posted about it on Twitter if you want to see the hamburger. It was it was phenomenal, outstanding. So I'm having a pretty good weekend so far. And now I get to be here with you lovely people. So Ooh, right. I can't complain. We are also joined by the godfather of the debate himself, Wesley. Uh, I was about to say Wesley, Wesley Jonah. Jonah. <laughs> <laughs> He's together. Jonah Gomez. Woo! How you doing, buddy? I, I gotta yeah. say, you've been, uh, what are you, do, improving your lighting situation? What'd you say, your there? hair? Oh, yeah. I am hair. hair. <laughs> I'm improving my hair and my lighting. My my wife got some grow lights for her, her plants because... In the Pacific Northwest, it kind of gets dark and gloomy all the time. Mm. And so now that summer's on the downswing, she's like, I need to get grow lights for my plants so they don't die during the winter. I was like, okay. But that one's all like purpley, and so it looks pretty dope in the background. Turn that on, and then you turn on the uh, the blue lighting under your couch. Yeah. Man, you got some like, you got some insane neon action going on. Hopefully not cut off my cat's tail again. Oh, well, hopefully <laughs> not. I have to dredge that up. <laughs> I don't really want to get into re-explaining that. Uh, anyway, uh, we are uh, we have the distinct pleasure this week of uh, being joined by Game Informer's own Kim Wallace. How are you doing, Kim? Good. Yay! I'm glad to be here. Welcome. Party time. Yeah, thanks so much for joining us. It's uh, really exciting to have you on. We're looking forward to talking about some games with you. All right. For sure. Well, guys, uh, I hope you stopped by uh, Midgar Plate 7 on your way in to pick up the Buster Sword, because it's time for the Icebreaker. All right. Uh, so, Kev, we always like to have a short little interview with our guests when they come on. Um, I'm sure these guys would like to uh, pick your brain about Game Informer, but um, I was perusing some of your articles uh, before um, the recording today, and... Um, There's some cool stuff I saw. You had a really interesting article that was like kind of about the history of uh, Neon Falcom and like how they've grown over the years. And like there's a series of features you did, I think, kind of like about how um, the development and how like the development process has changed for all Super Giants games over the years. That stuff's really, really cool. And I'm just kind of wondering, you know, what uh, what would you consider like one of your favorite like features that you wrote or review or anything like that? Wow. This question is always difficult because I often, I've been writing at Game Informer now for nine years and I tend to forget over the years the certain things that I write, but I mean, I am always like features are my number one love. And so anytime I can really dive into a topic and talk to developers about how they make the games and what goes on behind that has always been some of my, um, favorite things i've done so i would think um no favorite cover story horizon zero dawn Mm. hands down it was really cool going to amsterdam and entering that studio which like had all their kill zone stuff but like (laughs) aloy was kind of like hiding in the background like ready to come out and um 
take over and like just their excitement you could tell that they felt like they were really doing something that they were you know excited about and making taking this risk but like the whole team seemed behind it and that was really cool to see um you know i think a few years ago i started i did a feature on video game addiction if that actually like mm. exists in because there's so many different things and the who had just recognized it as a disorder and so for me I wanted to dive into that and see what that meant I mean there's you know times where I'm just like I play games a lot like what where's the line between that yeah. and it turned out to be like a really muddy and complex topic that like the research isn't really there supporting like one way or another there's no doubt that some people have problems powering down but it's like what is even the right treatment what is the course to go with and so that was um really fun the most recent issue of game informer dives all into the localization process because oh. i felt like oh that's super interesting yeah, I felt like, um, you know, I just played the Great Ace Attorney Chronicles recently, and I'm like, God, the localization's so good. How do they, like, do do all these things? And, you know, it's such a debated topic, right? Like, everybody says they want, like, um, a direct translation. You don't really want that. You just want, <laughs> like, it doesn't work. It doesn't exist. And mm -hmm. um, going through and talking to professionals about ways that they've had to make even stuff like puzzles work for a different audience, which you don't really think about um, when they're coming through those games or just like the gameplay and explanation. So I had to talk to some really great people for that. Um, Janet Hasu from the Saturni series, uh, John Riccardi from 8-4, um, Jess uh, Chavez, who's done... She was for, with Exceed for a long time, and now she's doing more freelance, but she's worked on Fantasian. Um, I've talked to people who worked on uh, Scott Stritchert, who just um, did Lost Judgment and okay. has been working on Yakuza cool. series oh, yeah. forever. So there's a lot of, uh, I think I interviewed a total of like nine people for that, and just hearing like some of the deadlines and what they have to go through to try to make certain things work in another language it's just stuff you don't even um think about really uh, I, I think that for me was, was just exciting to dive into and just learn more about those are my favorite types of features when i can just like present to other people like this is how the process actually is here's where some of the misunderstandings and misconceptions are and this is what actually like the whole um people str where the struggles are where the challenges are and what everything kind of contains and comes down to so that was a long answer to no worries no it was a great answer that yeah that's 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 a fascinating topic i just i love that we're living in an age now where like we're kind of able to let other professions inside game development like have a spotlight sh shown on them you know like you have like these rock star game developers like Kojima that like used to get all of the focus, but then, you know, most people never think about stuff like the localization staff and how important that is. Or, um, there was a, there's recently a show on Netflix about a history of video gaming. And I learned in that, that like, you know, there's a woman who was on the localization team for like the Famicom to the united states and like she was like instrumental in like making that as popular as it was just like even changing the way it looks and stuff and mm -hmm. it's really cool to see stuff like that and how important it is to gaming outside of just the the core game and designers, just like you know? 
stuff you don't think about like these designers when they come over like they have to make stuff work in text boxes in these games so yeah you know uh japanese already can say so much with little characters and then you bring it to the to uh, like something like north america and they have to make it work with less words but still say the same thing and things like i had somebody tell me that for one project like a week before they changed the font size to make it more readable well it made all the text boxes so they had to go back in a week and redo all the work but it's just like their care like character counts are killers there's stuff we don't even think about when um that go into localization and and the struggles they have Mm -hmm. well um yeah, General West, do you guys have any Game of Forum related questions for uh, Kim before we move to I've a got, topic? I've got one question. Yeah. So mm-hmm. when the Smash Bros. announcement for Sora was was going on and everyone was announcing uh, it, I thought of one person and I I need to know what your your reaction was when they announced Sora being in Smash. So I had just <laughs> woken up and <laughs> Part of me was like, this is a dream, right? Like, yeah. this can't be real. This can't be happening. Because as somebody who's actually worked a lot with the Kingdom Hearts team, and I've interviewed Nomura a few times now, the paperwork that they have to go through just mm. to do anything just yeah. amazes me. It He even has been up front, like, the approvals back and forth. Because I was like, how do you even write this if you don't know if, like, Disney's going to approve this with a character or a world. And he's like, yeah, I just, you know, I start writing it and we, we go back and forth and he's like so many approvals, like just so, so I was like, this can't be real, but it, but it is. And so I told Brian Shea later in the day, I was like, we should add a camera on me. Cause there's one E3 that I think Dan Reichert way back when they had uh, kingdom hearts three first revealed, like I was dancing. I was like, <laughs> you know, feeling very victorious it was a similar feeling to that because like i said i wanted him but i'm like it's never gonna happen right it's just like my dream of kingdom hearts having lightsabers one day i'm like a lightsaber keyblade would be awesome is disney ever gonna let them do that i don't know i don't think so but like then again like the impossible seems to be happening here yeah. and there. So yeah, yeah, I was stoked. And I think that was a great like final character. Um, I, as I said, someone asked me like, who else would you like to see? And I still want to see Phoenix, right? If they could make him work in Marvel versus Capcom, they can make him work oh, yeah. in Smash. Yeah, he's sure. like, I want the objection just to like be able to like <laughs> hit people back with it. Uh, <laughs> It'd be so awesome. Like yeah. Yeah. Oh, Sora was my number one. So now I was just like, all right, I'm pulling back out um, Smash because I haven't played it in a while. But yeah. for Sora, yeah. I will do this. Our good boy, he he deserved it. He's finally mm-hmm. growing up so fast. I'm yeah. fast. Yeah, I'm glad about it too because like, because he's not all he's not surrounded by Disney characters. You really they really get to let let him shine as his own yes. character, and um like his stage and all the music and stuff it's just like the kingdom heart stuff and not necessarily the disney stuff which is nice yeah definitely Ooh. oh i can't wait oh yeah um what if, what if i'm absolutely horrible with him as a character? that's always <laughs> my like big worry when some a character gets announced i'm like 
I'm really gonna want to play as this character, but what if they're just not my style? <laughs> I gotta yeah. accept that. Like, oh, that's happened before. You get excited. I've gotten excited about character reveals and in, in certain games, and I'm like, oh man, remember how excited I was for that character, and I thought they were gonna <laughs> right. be my main forever, and just didn't work out. But hopefully, hopefully, from mm. all my keybait keyblade swinging out over the years, um, I will a master with my Sora. Yeah, uh, I did appreciate how Sakurai said that, like, they, you know, a lot of the times their DLC characters are a lot more technical, but they um, specifically with Sora tried to make him, like, easier to jump into and control for everyone, so that's really cool. Um, I'm just going to have a technical check real quick with Wes. How you doing, buddy? Can you hear us? Can you see yeah, us? I hear you. Do you not awesome. hear me? No, no we can't now. We you can't froze now. for You're a good. little bit there. <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry. I was I was trying to tell Kim. I said, if you're really worried about that, you can play me because I am the world's worst Smash Brothers player, and you'll you'll decimate me no matter who you're playing. I guarantee it. Hey, I, I, yeah, I could use the ego boost here and there some days. Some days. Uh, well, Wes, do you um, have a a question for Kim? Yeah, I had I had a, just a couple of questions for Kim. Um, just as we were chatting, kind of before the show. I mean, you mentioned before how much you love traveling to Japan. And you've been there uh, many, many times, sounds yes. like. Um, I was just wondering if you could share kind of like, if if I were to go to Japan, what would you recommend, like, let's say like three things that you, mm. you have to do if you go to Japan? Oh, man. Yeah, it's so... How, you've never been, correct? No, I've been, I've, I've done quite a bit of world traveling. I've never been to Japan, sadly. It's like the number one on my place to go, but I've never been. Okay, I wish I could go back to my, like your first time in Japan, like you can never recreate it because it is such a like, it was the first time for me, I think I experienced and, and it wasn't any form of like culture shock. It wasn't even like that different than what I thought it would be, but being there and seeing everything and just like the way of, of life and how it's very different than um, how ours was just like, I was in sensory overload, I think, too, for, like, the first uh, few days of it. Because, like, you're not used to, you know, so it depends. Like, there's so many different places to go. So, like, yeah, Akihabara, very loud, but always worth it. Because to just see the love of video games on display. And for me, being a, a JRPG fan for all my life, you know, there was a time where you couldn't just, like, walk into a store and find, like, Persona merch, you know? Like, it felt so cool to just, like, all my, like, niche series that nobody ever were talking about. Like, I can find Fire Emblem stuff here. There's a whole Tales store up in this place. Oh, and cool. Um, yeah, just to have that, like, my fan, like, the thing that I was so passionate about and see it, like, represented all around me. And I'm a big figure hunter, too. Like, the better the figure. Oh, I got my Mitsuru figure for, for Persona 3 there, which is still one of my favorite figures. Um, I have a Phoenix Wright Ace Attorney. I'm a big fi figure hunter. Like, nothing gives me such a thrill than going through all the stores and finding the right one. It's it's so geeky, but, like, at the same time, oh. There's just That's like nothing. Yeah, it's uh, so. It sounds like a wonderful afternoon to me. <laughs> yeah, so you definitely or, need or to. Or several. <laughs> hit there. Uh, Kyoto um, is definitely more naturey, but like, I love that place because it's it's a little bit different vibe and a little um, not as busy as Tokyo proper. So you know you can kind of see more of the countryside and the shrines are always really fun. Um, 
And then I'm thinking, there's so many places that keep going through my head is the problem right now. Because I'm like, oh, Tokyo Skytree's okay. Um, God, every time me and my fiancé go to a new spot, uh, the deer the, uh, the deer feeding park, I think it's called, like, Nara Park. Um, oh, so you just go up there and the deer's will, like, come to you for wow. cookies and food. And, wow. Yeah, just That's right cool. up. Yeah, there, that, just to be surrounded. There are pictures of me, like, just with them all surrounded, um, surrounding me, which, like, I don't know if I would have done that years ago because, like, that would have been scary, but they're so yeah. just, like, trained. But sometimes they do. They just, like, follow you because they know that you have the food. Um, <laughs> yeah, the parks are all really nice. Gosh, there's, like, this serene feeling there, too. And I don't know. I'm originally from Chicago, so I'm used to people just being rude, I guess. And, like, in Japan, they're so nice. I can't. Like, it is such so refreshing. Like, even I had somebody I was walking around trying to figure out where to go, and they could tell I was lost, but they didn't speak English. So they went and found somebody who spoke English to help me, like a businessman. Oh, wow. Like, you just That's don't cool. see that here in America because we're sometimes jerks all on, like, this uh, fast pace. But, yeah, there's there's just a lot of things, you know, <laughs> like that are just so cool and but i think if you're a video game fan especially like to just be embraced like a place that embraces that so much and just be up there and like you know turning the corner and there's always like an arcade and i always get stuck in those damn crane machines because i will <laughs> win i will win actually i have one on my desk i won i won a kirby this is Ooh, oh, nice so cool. <laughs> that was my moment and it, it was so funny he just kind of fell and tumbled over into it and i was like i'll take it i'll take it like it's not even that great of a triumph but like you know there's just karaoke is so much fun there there's so many things that I feel very fortunate that I've gotten to do in my job, but Japan is definitely when they sent me that first year and um, I don't share this often, but they had to convince me. I used to hate flying and I did mm. not like I was very skittish about it. I never thought I'd go overseas and just be able to like tell me, put me in a culture where like I don't speak the language. That's just scary to me, mm -hmm. um, yeah. you know, and the fact that I've been able to do that and have now like, you know, can navigate uh, pretty well. And also thanks. My fiance comes with me and he, he knows some Japanese. So that definitely helps in, in awesome. those, uh, yeah. And the ramen you go for the ramen. And once sure. you have ramen from Japan, you're never ever going to be able to like, feel good about any other oh, ramen no. you eat. <laughs> That's all I'll say is like, I uh, just, it's something they get that broth just perfect. It's mm -hmm. just oh, delicious. Oh Amazing. man, it sounds like a dream. Yeah. <laughs> um, did you, uh, mention, you have one other question, Wes? Yeah, I just have one other question. And uh, Kim, I know you're a bit of an anime fan as well. Mm -hmm. And I believe that you just put up an article on uh, GI, I think it's called like Anime for Gamers Correct. or something similar. Um, mm -hmm. So I, I definitely recommend everybody go check out that article. But I was just curious uh, if you had any personal recommendations uh, in the article or not in the article for anybody that's an anime fan that you would uh, you would recommend. Oh, gosh. Yeah, I'm always watching stuff. Um, and so. God, my favorites have really changed through the years. Um, I like some of the older stuff like Kids on the Slope. Um, oh, I don't think I've heard that one. 
Beck Mongolian Chop Squad was high. On uh-huh. the list. Yep. Welcome to the NHK is really dark, but I like it uh, for that yeah. reason. Because I think that message and, and what you go through with that is really, really powerful. Um, New Game Plus is about an all-female um, video game development studio. That's actually on that list, and I adore that one. That one's really, really just cute and fun. I really like Slice of Life anime like uh my fiance always teases me he's like oh you're i can always tell which one you're gonna watch and i'm like true to life i want <laughs> i want a little bit of it uh and i also like really like sports anime so mm. like that oh yeah that me always, too that drags me in every time too i'm watching one right now called remain where like this water polo um player like has lost all his memories and so he's trying to like re-get his game back and join a team that's obviously down and out and not very good um but yeah i can i i recently was watching um the world ends with you anime and oh okay it's got the music and it's so good to just relive it through that also um watching a lot of different things so yeah those are uh, kind of Have you seen Wonder Egg uh, Priority? Yes, yes. Oh, that's I actually just, just so finished sick. that. Like, that reminded me, like, those fights were very Kingdom Hearts style. Oh, yeah. I was yeah. like, oh, yeah. yeah, that's what was, like, really caught my eye. Yeah, I, like I said, I am always watching, like, two or three of them at once. I was watching this really weird one, and I'm trying to think of the name of it. Uh, he's, like, he runs a children's TV show, but oh. he's like the most dark and depressed guy <laughs> in the world. Yeah. And is just like, I can't remember what it's called. To... Yeah, he's supposed to be cheery, but he's like telling Super kids cynical. like, <laughs> yes, but life, life is not like that. <laughs> and life <laughs> goes these dark, these dark twists and then has them in these weird situations. It, it's a more comical one. That's really funny. Um, yeah, I, I, I love, uh, I really got it actually into anime. I would say I always I was watching it a lot about a decade ago and then I was busy with Game Informer and then I think in the last like 3 or 4 years I've really gotten back into watching a bunch of um watching like two or three shows at a time. Like Funimation has all those uh, stymel casts going on and there's always like two or three I pick out that like mm-hmm. I got to watch this. Oh yeah. Nice. Yeah, I don't think I've seen almost I mean I've heard of uh, quite a few of those, but I don't think I've actually watched many of those ones that you mentioned. New Game Plus sounds awesome. I think I'm going to check yeah. that out. It is really good because, like, they have this uh, fake MMORPG that becomes like popular, and then the first season is them getting that off the ground, and then um, they have an expansion. But the girl who it's her first day starting on the job, and she's just trying to prove herself as like an artist, and it's just it's fun. It's a lot of fun. Cool. Yeah, sounds good. Sounds Thank awesome. you for the recommendations. Those are yeah. all sounds really good. <laughs> all right, guys, we've got a lot of homework to do, but until then, it's time for the debate. So I'll oh turn boy. it over to the judge, Jonah Gomez. All right. I'm sorry if I'm being quiet today, y'all. I've got a little bit of a frog in my throat, mm-hmm. but we're gonna we're gonna truck on show must go on does it have a large sword <laughs> <laughs> oh west baits good old west baits in our debate today some might say our west debates he is going to be representing kefka from final fantasy 6 
And Kim is going to be representing Luca Blight from Suikoden 2. Let's get excited, everybody. Caden, how are you feeling right now? You can be our assist well, trophy today. Uh, disclaimer, I've played neither of these games. So when I come in as the assist trophy, what I plan to do is simply uh, praise the characters from an aesthetic character design perspective. So we'll see how that goes. That's awesome. All right. So we got two minutes for the intro, two minutes for your rebuttal, and two minutes for your closing thoughts. Kim, I'm going to flip this penny. Heads or tails? Tails for the tail series. Ooh, it oh, is, I like it. It is heads. I'm sorry. Oh, no. <laughs> Wes, would you like no. to go first or last? I I will go first this time. Okay. I think. Bless Confidence. your heart and soul. Hayden, <laughs> <laughs> do you mind we'll keeping about time that. for me to, uh, today? Sure. Yeah. Let me get my timer set up real quick. Thank you. I appreciate it. My wife was so nice. She brought me an Italian Aww. soda. Oh, awesome. What a sweetie. Oh, my gosh. All right. Let me know when you're ready, Wes, and I will count you down. I think I'm I think I'm ready. Three, two, one, debate. What makes for a good RPG villain or a good villain at all? In my opinion, aesthetics are a big part of it. And when you think of stuff that you don't like, clowns is a lot is way up on the list for me. Everybody hates clowns. It's why um, characters like the Joker and the uh, the monster in Stephen King's It works so well. They're so creepy, and and you know you just don't know what they're gonna do. And uh, that's one of the reasons why I think that Kefka from Final Fantasy VI is the best JRPG villain. Nay, I say the best villain in video games. There's a lot of reasons to back this up. Okay, this guy is a nihilistic, psychopathic jerk. He is super caught up in himself and he doesn't care about anybody else. He, uh, He doesn't care what it takes to get to his goal. He has destroyed kingdoms. He poisoned an entire kingdom full of women and children just to spurn a war. He uh, And then he laughed about it. He said, uh, and I quote, there's nothing like the sweet music of hundreds screaming in unison. Uh, then, <laughs> on top of that, he decided it was too calm and peaceful, so he decided to burn the, uh, burn the whole kingdom down afterwards. Um, he, uh, along with that, he's a, a genocidal maniac. 30 seconds. He, uh, he's so interested in his own goals that he just treats other beings like they're nothing. He sucks the magic out of espers and throws them away like they're garbage. In fact, he, uh, he uh, did that to basically the entire, the entire kingdom of espers in the game. Along with that, he killed General Leo, who is quite possibly the, the, most, uh, uh, the coolest character. Not only one of the most powerful, but coolest characters in the game. I'm... Great. Nice job, Wes. Nice job coming in strong. Very nice. Very nice indeed. Kim, how are you feeling after that? I got this. Oh, the <laughs> confidence coming through. I love it. Very nice. All right, Kim. Let's rock and roll. Caden? Okay, is this like my intro? 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like opening. I'm not rebuttaling yet. Okay. No, no, no. Not yet. All right. Three, two, one. Debate. So back to what makes a good villain. A good villain is somebody who gets under your skin and makes you so angry that you feel like you have to best them. And nobody does that better than our friend Luca Blight. Um, AKA the Mad Prince is his title. Okay, he's ruthless. He slaughters people, no mercy. The first scene you see of this man he tell a woman to beg for her life and oink oink like a pig, he tells her. Grovel to me. And what does she do? She gets on her knees, oinks like a pig, and he kills her anyway. And that is Luca Blight to me, to an extent. But that's not even like, that is like a sliver of what this man does, okay? Like, he kills, he murders villages, like, he killed the most adorable child character in the game, Pelica is the only survivor because he murders her entire village and her parents and then you have to like help this little girl get through life and take her in and it is a touching story but this guy just he is he just wants he felt a lot of pain in his past and he wants the whole world to feel pain and he's just a human he's not um he's not an experiment gone wrong but he just wants to kill people and even in his death he celebrates his own evilness um you know it takes 108 stars of destinies and three parties of Coden's two massive casts to even take this guy down like there's no denying that he is the pinnacle of evil and you guys need to watch out if Luca Blight is in the room because he will just Slit your throat without any remorse or feeling. I... Wow. wow. That, that was, oink oink story gave me That was like a compelling argument. I know. Yeah. That was, uh... Some... This game's not a horror game, right? <laughs> <laughs> this, this, like, I've never been so mad at a damn character that I, this guy... I play, replayed the game recently, and it's still... Oh, he still makes mm. me so mad. <laughs> Alright, Wes, are you ready for the rebuttal? I'll do my best. Three, two, one, debate. I won't uh, deny that Luca Blight is a bloodthirsty psychopath, but my real question is why? What's his motivation? What is he trying to get to? I don't understand. I've tried to do a lot of research into this, and every time I look up information about the character, all I find out is he's bloodthirsty, he's a killer, he's psychotic, he's crazy. What's his end goal? Sure, he starts a big war between two armies just to kill more people, but why? I understand he may have a slightly uh, tragic backstory. He had some stuff that happened to his mother that were very uh, that was very disgusting and wrong. But beyond that, I I don't understand anything that he's trying to get to. Um, Kefka, on the other hand, has a, a a goal of taking over and reforming the world. He wants to become a god. He wants to take over the world. And I know that's a fairly cliche thing for a villain, but it absolutely works in his favor in this case. Um, Luca may be as evil as Kefka, but he has no real flair. He just he just kills to, to kill. And the scale of his evil is so much smaller than Kefka's. War between two kingdoms? Spoiler for Final Fantasy uh, VI. Kefka actually destroys the world. In the middle of the game, Kefka actually destroys the world. 
he wins. Do we know what happens to Luca in the middle of the game? We do. He's dead because you kill him and he's gone for the rest of the game. Um, it's very uh, <laughs> sad, but uh, it seems like Kefka, you know, is one of the few villains that actually is able to follow through with his plans. And although it takes three parties to take down Luca, it takes three parties just to get to Kefka. You can't even get to him without three parties. So um, you have to use literally all your characters just to get to him and form three parties just to get through his tower. So um, psychopath, yes, but motivationally, as, um, as a villain, eh. Ooh. Ooh. It's very is... hard to keep quiet during these. It's <laughs> yes. very hard. Yes. Wes is bringing the heat. That's some research. Oh, yeah. Wes is bringing the heat. That was that was spicy, man. Kim, how are you feeling? It's all right. She's okay. gonna, she's gonna, she's gonna uh, get me now. I oh can yeah, feel it. It's coming. <laughs> all right, Kim, are you ready to rock and roll? Do this. Three, two, one, debate. First off, killer clown, been there, done that, seen that. Okay. Second off, uh, he actually does have Luca Blight. Uh, watched his mom get raped in front of him and it messed him up like hardcore um some thieves came in and his dad ran off and from that day on he was motivated by revenge so he gets revenge on his father and then also by the pain that he felt he's like i want other people to feel this pain he is in he desires to make the world feel pain like he has. He hates the world and he's orchestrating this an entire, like, kill it out of this hatred that he has. Um, when he finally does die, this is his quote, It took hundreds to kill me, but I killed humans by the thousands. I am sublime. I am the truest faith of evil. Even in death, he says, you know what? You might have got me, but ha, look at this. Like, I still killed way more people than that they'll ever be able to, like, replace and, and get this going. So, he had a lot of motivation. My thing with Kefka is that, like, he just thinks life, you know, is... He has no, like, far-reaching goals. He just thinks life is meaningless. Like, you should su succumb to, like, the fact that you're gonna die and... I don't know. He seems like a big quitter to me in that way. Like, I just gave up on the world and what it could be. And also, seconds. like, his head. He, his head got messed up when he did an experiment on him. So he's not inherently evil. Luca Blight is evil. Not by design, by who he is and what happened. So nothing made him except having a very tragic event that set him on this path. I am done. All right. Ooh. Conceding 10 seconds. The confidence. The sheer confidence. <laughs> sheer confidence. I'm feeling the energy from you, Kim. Just a reminder for both of you, you still have 30 seconds of your assist trophy. You do not have to use it, but you can use Caden if you'd like. Wes, are See, this you is why probably... this is This is why I wanted to have Kim on the show for the debate, because I knew that she would get fired up and that she would bring the heat. This is exactly what we want on this show. So oh, yeah. <laughs> All right, Wes, are you ready to go? Yes, I Close will. it out. All right. Caden, give him the countdown. Three, two, one, debate. Yeah, so I just want to uh, mention um, one of the interesting things about Kefka is, that makes him so iconic is his laugh. Before he even enters the screen, you know he's coming because you hear it. 
He goes, uh, and I actually have the sound bit uh, ready to go, but unfortunately it won't play over my microphone. But uh, that uh, iconic laugh was so uh, so well received that uh, Square actually utilized it in several other games. Uh, they changed how it sounded slightly, but they used it in Chrono Trigger and uh, a few other RPGs. Um, uh, the interesting thing about Kefka is, um, you know, he is, he's got a kind of a god complex, but they elude, they make allusions to him as if he were the devil himself. And the last time you fight him, he's in a fallen angel form. There's actually a reference to the devil. So that's how evil he is, that Square actually considers him equivalent to the devil. Um, uh, also, his music, he's got an insane music score that accompanies his final boss fight. It's 18 minutes long if you listen to the uh, symphonic version, and it's amazing. If you haven't listened to it, please go listen to it. It's awesome. Um, but he's just, uh, he's got so much flair. Uh, he's very cunning. Um, 30 seconds. He, he dupes your whole party into thinking that he's been thrown in prison just so he could break out and, uh, you know, establish a, a plot with the emperor to overthrow your party and basically take over the world. And um, he's just, uh, he's hes smart, he's evil, he's cunning, he's powerful. Caden, please help me out. Whoa, I have to set my own timer for 30 seconds, let's go. All right, so uh, <laughs> just looking at this character design, uh, concept art, classic uh, Amano, extreme extravagance. Uh, so much flair, so many scarves, so many stripes, so many colors. Just a 10 out of 10 character design. And this guy, you know, like a lot of a lot of problem a lot of women have with their significant others is they just don't meet their level of fashion. My wife has this own problem with me. She's always dressing up in these amazing outfits when we go out on a date. I'm in a t-shirt and shorts. Kafka, you will not have that problem with. He will be your fashion icon if you date him. Okay, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> oh my lord. I think we need to have uh Caden fashion review a bunch of characters. That'll be a new segment of the show. Caden's fashion corner. <laughs> I got him. Oh, I got him. The audio listeners, Wes just spit his drink out. <laughs> oh man. All right, Kim. Oh, my just a reminder, you still have. My heart is racing here. <laughs> just a reminder, you still have Caden for your assist trophy. And if you want to use him. If you want to use him. <laughs> Other than that, let's close out this debate. All right, Caden, give, give her the countdown. <clears throat> Three, two, one, debate. As we've uh, established here, a laugh for a villain is necessary to be to be very good. Luca Blight equally has, in my opinion, a laugh that you don't forget, and he does it after every murder uh, to really, like I said, get under your skin. I I've never, when a character has walked across the screen to this day feel like the anxiety and dread that I do with Luca Blight because you know whatever is coming next is just going to be so damn vicious and it's going to hurt and back in when this game came out like this is a PS1 RPG like you don't have flashy graphics and they get across like that other dread of like just how this man has no limits, and that's what's scary about him, is you don't know. Like, unlike traditional, like, princes in the Suicoden series, like, 
they usually care for their kingdoms and citizens in some way, and they just use that to justify why they're doing bad things. But Luca's the complete opposite. He's only interested in destruction. He is only interested in bringing more people pain. And the fact that with all your 108 stars like that's the only way you can defeat them and even in that final battle you have to there's a duel that you have with your main character and him one-on-one -on -one. you have to defend every time because if you screw up like once like he's gonna knock you out like that is how powerful he is and so it is so satisfying Seconds. when you take him down and then you can't even after that you have to clean up all his mess because, like, just because the villain de is dead doesn't mean all the nations he's affected and all the people suffering are any better. So, uh, Hayden, assist, assist. Let's go, 30 seconds, setting my own timer. Uh, okay, so I'm looking at this guy's character concept art for the first time. Oh my god, this guy is an absolute chad. He has abs modeled on his breastplate. Uh, you want to talk about a knight in shining armor slash bad boys? You date this guy, it's like you're getting the best of both worlds. He will uh, use his resources as a prince to take you on the most extravagant dates while also using his power and influence to murder and remove uh, 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 competing objects of his desire if you're jealous. Okay, I'm, I'm out of time. <laughs> Thank you, Caden, again. For you got it. <laughs> squaring up the competition and letting us know how fabulous these gentlemen are yeah all right that's the end of our debate and you know what this was this was a good one you both brought oh, yeah. fantastic points for Incredible. each one um wes you're really getting me with that whole point of uh kefka having like something that he's fighting for Oh man, you're making this super hard. I'm sorry, but I'm gonna have to go with Kim. I'm I'm digging the the fire that she's bringing. I I think with Luca Blight being this savage monstrosity of a man, just ripping through people without a care in the world. I think he's a little bit more evil. Oink oink. <laughs> <laughs> so with that we'll have to put it to the uh the community for our community vote uh oh, yeah. and see what the community thinks but uh no kim you did a great job uh defending luca luca's honor if he has any oh but, uh, <laughs> uh, would be up there high on my list of uh i was glad that that's who you picked because i was like this is gonna be good these are yeah. two really good jrpg villains yeah i read a lot of articles that basically said that luca was uh, there was a Destructoid article I read that basically said, like, yeah, he's the best JRPG villain ever. Um, tons of other people that thought the same. So, yeah, definitely what, definitely a high up there. What made me confident is, like, sometimes you're like, oh, am I blinded by, uh, you know, I played this game, like, in the past. And did mm. it, was it really as bad as I thought it was? And I just recently, a few months ago, I was streaming uh, Suicoden 2 and... Oh my god, I was like, this is even worse than I remember. Like, I think it hit me harder playing it as as I was older. Like, this is yeah. just so vicious. Uh, and I don't know. These days, it's really hard, I feel like, for a JRPG villain, especially to incite, like, those feelings in you. Because we've seen a lot. Um, and even with that, like, when there's just somebody who wants to bring pain on each uh, others because they've been pain they've been in pain like that's like the worst kind of person it's like yeah. that's why you shouldn't want people to feel pain yeah. damn it so like yeah, yeah it uh 
I still all this time he right he was like I think for me it like I've never been so angry at somebody and he he hurts my little Pilica and she's so adorable. Poor I have to say, uh, you know, I haven't played either of those, these games, but now I want to like start them both up immediately because right? you just did such a good job selling these horrible villains. I just yeah, want to experience no, for it for real. myself. Caden, uh, yeah. if you had to cast your vote on who won this debate, what where's your vote going? Well, the one point that Wes had that kind of tipped the scales in his favor for me was the whole idea of the villain actually yeah. succeeding at his goal. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. that was what I knew was going to be hard yeah. to fight against. Yeah, like, I just want to, I need to know, like, what what happens. Like, where's the story go after the villain mm -hmm. wins, you know? Because you always just beat the villain in in these games, you know? So that's... That's the that's... fun of it. You want to beat them. Yeah, yeah, win. yeah. yeah. You want the villain to win. You want these people... <laughs> biatches to win exactly <laughs> well you'll have to play the game to find out Caden. exactly um please, cool please play it <laughs> <laughs> so uh how are you guys feeling do you think we need a break or are we going to power through the the next segment and then take a break uh, i could i could use a break, use a break. all right we're all gonna right, go break. to break all right we are back from break um and toss it over to general quick to announce the winner of uh last episode's debate all right, so on our last debate, we did the ultimate console war debate with PlayStation versus Xbox. And you know what? Dash represented Xbox to a new level. I, I don't think I've ever seen anybody be so high up there without slamming Xbox, or slamming PlayStation when they're representing Xbox. And he did it. He did it. A fantastic job. But it wasn't enough. Our good man, Wes Bates, took away the win with nine votes versus Xbox's six. That's mm. that's unbelievable. I honestly can't believe it. Are you sure that you're reading that right? <laughs> I, I read it right. I'm pretty sure that Dash smoked me last week. <laughs> I, I, you, you won, man. Xbox? Uh, no, it was no, no, no! The... Just the just the plat the platform in general, oh, basically. Oh, okay. yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. I I will I will accept that win because uh, I think I'm gonna get roasted uh, roasted after this last debate. So uh, <laughs> I gotta take the wins where I can find them. Yeah, dash it on future and defend. Yeah. All right. That's pretty rough. Cool. And that's it well, for the debate, man. Take it away, kid. All right, we're gonna move on to our next segment the pitch wherein we each bring one game that we've been playing and have two minutes to pitch it to the other panelists and we'll each decide if we are buying the game or not um, i will go first count me down three two one pitch Okay, the game I'm bringing this week that I've been playing is called Death's Gambit Afterlife. And uh, this game, I think, came out like five years ago or something. It was like an Adult Swim published game or something like that. And it was billed as like Dark Souls Cross Metroidvania and uh, had a lot of problems at launch originally. And over the past few years, in a No Man's Sky-esque comeback, the developers have just been adding and adding and tweaking. And they've relaunched the game as Death's Gambit Afterlife, and um, 
I think it's like twice the size that the game originally was. They've like massively expanded the character customization and creation and they've refined the combat mechanics and now you can do stuff like animation canceling, you have a slide and a back step. It's all really crisp. But uh, the game, uh, the premise is you're a soldier who dies in a world um, where uh, people just can't die. Like everyone's immortal. So whenever someone dies, they just come back from the dead. So that's the in-lore reason where every time you die, you come back. Uh, but there's really fun mechanics. Like you're you're coming back because you literally have a contract with death. And at the beginning of the game, you can go into your inventory and just drop your contract with death out of your inventory and nullify it. And it makes you become mortal. And then you have to play the whole game through on one life and oh, stuff like oh, that. And there's like uh, skills you can only have if you're mortal and stuff like that. Um, but the build variety is awesome. It has like the stat customization system like Dark Souls, but it also has classes. So you can increase your aptitude with different weapons by investing in certain stats. But each class also has access to different like active and passive skills for combat and exploration. Um, it's got that Metroidvania progression of like killing bosses and getting like new traversal abilities like double jumps and 10 seconds. Uh, um dashes and stuff and the story's really cool it's like dark fantasy and then like halfway through it transitions into sci-fi when you go into an underground super advanced Time. cyborg okay <laughs> hit me with your questions all right uh you want to go in a little bit on the combat and the weaponry of this game yeah so lots of uh variety and weapon types um like dark souls so you've got you know, uh, war hammers, long swords, great swords, bows, uh, double daggers, uh, shields, all that kind of stuff. And then within each of those categories, there's like unique weapons within the type that have different abilities. Like there's a boss that gives you these like fire daggers after you kill it. And while you're attacking enemies, if you keep your hit combo up, it spawns like these fire orbs. And then if you do like a ground slam with the fire orbs out it creates like pillars of fire so there's like really cool unique abilities attached to certain weapons like that and um uh where the game like threw me for a loop was as i was alluding to at the end there uh about halfway through it you discover the ruins of an ancient like advanced like cyborg civilization underneath like the dark fantasy world and then you start finding stuff like laser guns and like lightsabers and stuff and it's like whoa <laughs> so, yeah wow it's cool okay. it's really cool yeah. oh and uh you can equip two weapons at once and you have different buttons to attack for each of them so you can mix and match like combat skills for different weapon types or you can just have like a melee weapon and a bow but they also have an interesting system where if you only use one weapon and leave your second slot open you get like extra moves for the one weapon you oh. have so it's it's very versatile and customizable it's really cool that's cool yeah oh i should mention this game is like a pixel art like 2d side scroller like old school metroid and castlevania and stuff like that okay yeah so, as you know, um, Metroidvanias are my favorite genre. Mm -hmm. um, I absolutely love them. And uh, this game kind of calls to me in a lot of ways. Um, but uh, you you started talking about it a little bit, but as far as... So, it sounds like there's a lot of build custom uh, customization, yeah. which, is, which is cool. But in my Metroidvanias, a lot of what, I mean, I love about those is that the progression is you know kind of based on your exploration and you know acquiring new skills that way mm -hmm. um is that still 
mostly present in this game and how open are you from the beginning of the game as you start can you pick multiple directions to go or is it fairly like okay you have to be in this section first to get this ability and then you have to move to this section and get this ability and then move down here how that's how does a, it go in that way yeah that's a great question um you know when i think of dark souls some people like consider dark souls like a metroidvania which i personally don't because of what you just said like in dark souls you do not get like new abilities that unlock new areas in the environment you know it's mm -hmm. just like getting keys or whatever and so this game has like the character combat build variety of dark souls but at the same time as you're defeating bosses you do get new traversal abilities that unlock new areas so most of them you get within the first like i don't know three to four hours of the game depending on how good you are at it i guess um and the beauty of that is once you have all those traversal abilities that early then the game does open up with a lot of options so the ones you get pretty early are a double jump um a air dash and um a ground slam that breaks through like breakable barriers on the ground and once you have those three there's more you get later um but those three open up the vast majority of the world map and uh pretty early on like after you get those three abilities you come across a mysterious door and the door's like you need to go to these three areas and kill these three bosses to get these keys to open the store so at that point you have three main areas you need to go to that you can do in any order but there's also like optional side areas you can go to with optional bosses so the the world maps like incredibly open and you know for some people that's kind of a turn off because it can be confusing what you're supposed to do but um you know if you're into that thing it's it's pretty dope it sounds good to me cool give me uh, any, any questions yeah Sorry, I forgot I muted my mic there. Um, <laughs> I'm just curious, like, how it would compare to you to other, um, you know, Metroidvanias. Mm. Like, what would you put it ahead of? What would you put it below? Um, For me, like, I really like digging into the meatiness of it and, like, the character building and, like, the amount of content. Like, it's just a really big, meaty game, um, which reminds me a lot of, like, something like Hollow Knight. So mm -hmm. I do still think, like, Hollow Knight holds the crown of, like, the best machine for me. So uh, I uh, one that, like, kind of is almost, like, on par for Hollow Knight to me is something like uh, Ori and the Will of the, the Wisps. Um, so just from, like, a gameplay and, like, an amount of content and that kind of stuff, I might put it on, like, the same tier as, like, Will of the Wisps, like, just below Hollow Knight, you know? It's like, yeah, it's, I think it's awesome. Did you finish this game already? I have not finished it, so that's the caveat. So it could turn okay. to shit uh, for the, on the last <laughs> half, but I'm, I'm loving what? it so far. What? What? Uh, how much time have you sunk in? Oh man, uh, I think I've probably got like fifty to twenty hours so far, and I've got like one of the three keys that I need to get through that door I mentioned. Oh so, wow! Yeah. And do you know the price point? Uh, I can look it up real fast, but it's cheap. I think it's like fifteen or twenty dollars or Ooh, something. Like that. That is, yeah, so it's not too bad. and it goes on sale a lot. Um, I think unfortunately it's just not popular. It's like not a well-known game, so they put it on sale a lot to try and get um more of an audience yeah so twenty dollars um and then it goes on sale pretty frequently so all right Wes, are you, are you buying so i have a little bit of a history with uh death gambit mm. I, I played this game uh before it came out um back at uh playstation experience uh oh, that's so cool 
in like 2015 in San Francisco, um, which was, a, I think, the first time that they actually like debuted the trailer for the game. Um, obviously, this is an expanded version, a cleaned up version. Um, I bought that game for PlayStation back in 2018. I just didn't have the time for it at that point. This sounds like um, a much bigger, better version based on what you've said and some other things that I've heard about it. Honestly, I have a, uh, a $20 eShop card uh, burn, <laughs> burning a hole in my pocket, and I know what, I, what I'm putting it towards. So Heck you've yeah. absolutely told me. Yes. You know what? Uh, I think I think I'm in the gonna take it too, because you know it being on the Switch, and I got mm-hmm. nowhere my Switch is at right now, but I got those new Switch Switch Pad Pros. I'm obviously gonna have to meet, uh, beat Metroid Dread first before I hop in this, mm-hmm. but I mean it sounds it sounds dope. This so. is like the perfect follow up to Metroid Dread because that game just goes down super smooth and easy. It's like a six to eight hour game, and then mm-hmm. if you want just a bigger, meatier, longer game, hop in a Death Gambit. Yeah, so I nice. I'll probably pick it up after uh, after Metroid Dread, show. Sick. Kim, what are you thinking? Yeah, well, I think you've convinced me to give it a try, but um, God, I have so many like yeah. Metroidvanias <laughs> right now. Like I have yeah. Ender Lily sitting like on mm. my Switch right now that I want to really get into. That's a good game too. Metroid Dread, you know, I just like every time yeah. I turn around, there's just like another one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah or spoiled so for like, choice. I will, you know, if I see it like on a sale or something, I'm sure I'd pick it up though. Yeah. Nice. Cool beans. All right. Cool. So uh, next up to the pitcher's mound is Wes Bates. I All can right. do your time for you. <laughs> let me pull it up. All right. Let me know when you're ready for me to count you down. Whenever you're ready. Three, two, one, go. Let's take a little trip to the past to a remote island. Off the coast of Japan. Ooh. A remote island called Iki Island. I just finished the Ghost of Tsushima Iki Island expansion. And let me tell you, if you enjoy Ghost of Tsushima, you need to play this expansion because it is fantastic. Uh, it's about a third of the size of Ghost of Tsushima itself. It's about the size of like one of the zones from the main game. Um, but the topography, the landscape in uh, Iki is... Uh, very, some areas is very different than uh, any of the other islands that you run across. There are old dilapidated villages that are just covered in vines and moss, and um, it definitely has a more almost tropical feel, I would say, than any of the other areas that you come across on Tsushima. And um, as far as uh, gameplay, it plays just as good, if not better. Uh, it does allow for one new uh, skill set, which is utilizing your horse, you can basically use your horse to run down and trample groups of Mongols as you come across them, um, which is actually a really fun mechanic uh, because you can just like cut a big swath through a group of enemies and then jump off and kind of you know play cleanup. Um, jumping back into this game, I haven't played Ghost of Tsushima, Ghost of Tsushima in about uh, uh, over a year at least. And uh, it took a little bit of time to get used to the controls, and they don't hold your hand like walking you back into the expansion. So you have to spend maybe a little bit of time, basically relearning the combat and how it works. But once you pick it back up, uh, it's it's buttery smooth as usual. Uh, it's absolutely gorgeous. Runs in 60 frames per second. Uh, I played on play, uh, PlayStation 5. Um, the color palette is just 
the best use of color. I, I, I maintain to this day the best use of color in almost any video game I've ever played in my life. Time. All right. So you mentioned you started playing the game on PS4. Um, I actually don't know this, but I assume. But were you able to like port your your save to the PS5 version? Yes. Yeah. Cool. And it's not hard. Uh, you basically just download it off the cloud if you have PlayStation Plus. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there is an option on the collector's edition, which I was playing. That basically just said like import PS4 save, and you click on mm-hmm. it, it it brings it up. And then uh, I had oh. platinum. I had platinum to the game previously so then i got to see all my oh, lovely wow. trophies popping nice. again which was a, which is a if you've never had that happen that's a fantastic feeling yep. you're just like yay free trophies Woo! no but it was it was super easy there wasn't a lot of hoops to jump through for that um i hear that like games like death stranding you know maybe are a little bit more pretentious as far as getting that save over but in this case yeah. it was really easy cool um my only real question for you is um one game that I think did DLC really well in one way is uh, Witcher 3, because even though you can go into those DLC, DLCs pretty much like maxed out in terms of your character build, the those DLCs like add new systems on top of what's already there for the character progression to, to just basically add more progression to your character to experience while you're doing the DLC. Is there anything like that? in this or you're just going in like completely maxed out and just like wrecking everything or well like i said if it it depends on how much it depends on when you when you Mm. start because you can access the iki island dlc um i think after a certain a certain number of hours or something uh in the main game so if you are just starting the game and you have the dlc you can access it earlier on okay um but if you're like me and you already had your character maxed out you obviously you have everything unlocked when you go in um but like i said they, there are a few new abilities with the with the horse uh that mm. you can utilize they do add some new stuff on the island that wasn't available on the other islands there's uh these animal shrines that you can come across and like for monkeys deer and cats and oftentimes they're kind of over mongols you clear them out and then you sit and you will play a just beautifully melodic um tune for these animals with your flute and it has you it utilizes the controller um kind of the motion controls in your controller to kind of like move a light bar there's like a a flow of um like a line that kind of flows at you and then it goes up and down and you have to move the controller up and down to make the the bar or the ball of light kind of follow and so that represents kind of the pitch of your flute as you play mm-hmm. it's not hard at all and it works pretty well um it takes about 15 to 20 seconds each time. But then you get a really nice scene of Gene um, kind of coaxing the animals towards him. He, he'll feed them. He gets to pet them. You can So that's that's fun to seek out those shrines. There's new legendary quests for new armor sets. Ooh, um, nice. I got a pretty killer new set of armor that basically um, had the kind of like spirit of a monkey demon sealed inside mm. of it. And so it's... <laughs> It changes. It actually changed the combat quite a bit because it takes away your standard parry. So you have to. You can only do perfect, perfect parries and um, perfect wow. evades. Okay. But if you if you pull them off, he does extra moves. He'll he'll basically like blind enemies around him as he evades away. And so then you can get in and and get kills easier. Or it turns your parry into a three hit parry instead of a one hit parry. Cool. Um, That's sick. Yeah, I spent about 10 hours uh, getting through the DLC. I didn't do everything. Um, There's about a third of the island that I haven't even covered yet. So there's a good amount of content there. Um, And if you like Ghost of Tsushima, um, 
the oh one thing i didn't mention is the story it's got a really interesting and personal story for gene um and it ties back to his history with the island to his uh his history with his father and his relationship to his father and it's done really really well um better it's a it's a more intimate and personal story i think than i've seen in almost any game that i've played wow they they really they really knocked it out of the park with the story so i played uh i've played ghost tsushima on my ps5 but it was just a ps4 version how have they implemented the the haptics in this new uh, ps5 version of the game so uh there's obviously things like you know your bow and arrow which is a big part of your combat that's that all has haptics integrated your grappling hook has haptics as well. Um, there's a lot of new doors that you have to basically like pull down using your grappling hook. So you hold one trigger down, he'll swing that grappling hook around, throw it, and then you have to use the other, the the left trigger, to pull through the wood or pull out the wood. Oh, okay. Um, which is, is, is cool. Those were the times that I noticed it most. Um, you notice it a little bit when you're riding your horse. You can kind of feel it a little bit, the thrumming, riding your horse. Um, the combat... I, to be honest, I was so like I get so into the combat that yeah, you don't know. I, I'm don't not I'm it. not paying attention to the controller, yeah. you know, especially <laughs> trying to get back into into it when I haven't played it in so long. So I I kept trying to think like, you know, I should pay attention to the haptics during fighting, and I just I didn't because I was more interested and engaged in the combat you, itself. You have so. to be hyper focused on that <laughs> combat too, because like one mistake can really screw you for the entire fight. Yeah, so I, I wouldn't say that it's like maybe the most detailed or intricate use of the haptics, but it's it's there in some ways. Cool. So it's not like there's nothing. Yeah. Very cool. You got a question, Kim? No, actually, I I, I think I know too much about this one. So oh, okay, cool. cool. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, Jenna, are we ready to decide if we're buying or not? Yeah. So I mean, it's it's super interesting. Uh, do they have like just like can I just like upgrade my PS4 game to it, or do I have to buy the whole game all over again? You can. I believe that. I believe it's a, it's a ten dollar upgrade. I think. Oh, that's not bad at all. No, upgrade. but the but the actual expansion I think is thirty. But I think if you. Oh okay. I I think it's I think it's thirty. If you buy the expansion, I think you you get the PS5 version of the expansion mm-hmm. that okay. you can play. Cool. So it should. It, I think it upgrades. I think. Don't okay. quote me on that. Okay. But you, you can upgrade it. Okay, cool. Yeah, since I can upgrade it, I'm I I think I'll take a look into it. Yeah, for sure. Very cool. Um the load times are just I mean, they were almost non existent on PS4 and yeah. now they're just like you click the thing, it's like it's there. It's like Okay, well That's I so nice. guess I'm not gonna take a sip of my drink now. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> yeah. Like a scroll Twitter. Um uh, you may have already mentioned this, but I might have missed it. Um is this expansion available on the PS4, or is it only on it PS4? It is, yeah. You can oh, okay. play it on the PS4 as well. well I was going to say, I probably wasn't going to play it because I don't have a PS5, but uh, Wes himself generously mailed me his old copy of the PS4 version, so now I guess when I play that, I'll pick up Iki Island. So I guess yeah, I'm Yeah, I would, I would play the you know play the early part of the game. Oh, yeah. See if you're digging it, see if you're liking it, and if you want more, I mean, it's a slam dunk. It's some of the best, some of the best story, I think, in the whole game. Awesome. What do you think of Ken? Uh, I already played it. So. <laughs> it was it was a day one purchase, honestly, for me. Like that was one of my favorite games um, last year. So, um, 
no no questions asked on it like what was your what was your takeaway on the on the dlc that was really good yeah i honestly like i rank it pretty high like uh you know it's hard to get that stuff right but i thought it was a good amount of content for what you got and the story just you know being more personal that always that's that's my jam so Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. for sure all right three for three um so wes and i both got three for three on our pitches so no pressure kim but you're up next so (laughs) let me set your timer oh no let's see here um so just let me know when you're ready for me to count you down yeah give me one second Mm -hmm. i wasn't ready for this in my life (laughs) (laughs) all right deep breath (sighs) all right go got it you can count down three two one go so I don't know if you know this, but Life is Strange, um, True Colors, already has a DLC out. And sadly, people aren't talking about it uh, because I don't think people have realized uh, True Colors was really well done. And they introduced a new character of Alex Chen, who I adored and thinks one of the best characters we've had in a long time. But this DLC called Wavelengths uh, switches over to Steph, um, who was obviously in True Colors. But we also know Steph from Before the Storm, uh, when she, you know, we first met her as a passionate, like, dungeon master and gifted art, uh, gifted artist. And what I love about Steph is there's something about her that's just, like, inherently cool. But she's still, like, she gets so passionate about every hobby that she's into, like, with no, like, um, no qualms. Like, I doesn't feel like she's going to be embarrassed. And she just completely, like, indulges in her in, in, uh, interest, and that wins you over. So in this DLC, you're playing as her um, on a day through four seasons as a job as a DJ. So you, like, pick the music that comes up, and you get calls, and you answer people's, like, advice. And you get your own dating profile and you get to swipe on people and um, try to, like, see if you can find love for her. And let me tell you, I got ghosted a few times because I would say something wrong. And then I, like, got matched with the bot at one point. Like, it's so much fun to go through. So the biggest part is that you also learn more about stuff as a character, how the whole situation from the first season um, of Life is Strange and what happened before the storm affected her and getting that context is awesome and it's just a really fun DLC. Fine. Nice. All right. Um, Tell me more about the Dungeons and Dragons aspect. I love yes, that. yes, they bring that back. So, yeah, she had her good friend Mikey from Before the Storm, who she would play Dungeons and Dragons with, and uh, well, a lot of Dungeons and Dragon like games, sure, tabletop role is, playing, yeah, t- yeah, tabletop role playing, but um, and so you get to play that, um, you know, create the stories again with her, um, and kind of feeling feeling where that game will go and also like her friendship with Mikey now is a little more complicated based on the events of before the storm when you know stuff happened in Arcadia Bay and they're all still trying to figure it out but one of the things I like is that they she's now moved to Haven Springs Colorado so she they play through the computer and it just reminded me a little bit of like COVID of us trying to still do our our hobbies with people um over it and it's just really fun because you get to pick sometimes. Are you going to, like, give the characters some extra, you know, 
uh, support to kind of win the final battle? Or are you going to try to make it where it's this, like, life or death situation? Should the character die, you know, heroically? Um, you have those decisions. And uh, stuff is always super creative, too. Which, like, I love that they indulge in that and haven't abandoned her character. But also, like, get more into her love for music. And she was previously a drummer in a band. And you learn more about that as well. That's cool. Yeah, that's awesome. What kind of questions you guys got? Um, I'm just curious. So since this is a DLC, and I, I think, you know, Steph is obviously, I think, one of the main characters in before, uh, sorry, True Colors. I'm saying Before yeah. the Storm. Um, I kept almost doing that when I was saying <laughs> it. So I was like, don't say the wrong one. Yeah. Um. So I was wondering, is this, um, does this play into the story of true colors in a meaningful way or is this more of a kind of side story um just i, yeah. I guess maybe fleshing the character of step out more so in, what's, it, in your opinion it is a prequel to the events and does oh, okay. lead to where things end up with true colors i think it is more about Steph and learning about her and it gives you more context for the place she is at when you start True Colors. Because in True Colors, she's been around Haven Springs for a bit. You can tell she's getting, like, a little antsy and wanting to figure out more with her life. But here you learn what brought her to Haven Springs in the first place. And um, it kind of just gives you more context into, you know who she is as a person and that time we missed between like, you know, before the storm and the start of true colors. So it, it's, I would say, I, I want to preface this. You should have played before. I recommend playing before the storm and the first, um, first season of life is strange before playing this, because this has a lot more callbacks than True Colors did to any of those previous games. Um, and I think you miss some of those moments. You could get by, but I think they hit a little more. Uh, you know, you just get the context that you would want and need, especially as a fan and the little references that would go over your head otherwise. Very cool. Nice. Any questions, John? Um, I'm, I'm looking into getting into the series. Uh... Yeah, maybe next year because I'm working with my mom to get a switch right now so she can uh, like I'm trying to get my mom into games. And yes. uh, this oh, is awesome. uh, this is the series is a series I'm trying to get uh, her and my aunt into. So I might be playing that with them. So uh, just to avoid spoilers, I, I don't really mm -hmm. want to ask any questions. <laughs> yeah, no, totally I, understand. yeah, for sure. One one follow-up question. So as somebody that has played Before the Storm, I haven't completed Life is Strange 1. I'm like halfway through it. Um, but would you recommend playing this DLC? I, I have True Colors. I'm interested in playing True Colors. Mm -hmm. Would you recommend playing this DLC before you play True Colors? Or would it be better as a follow-up since it is a DLC that was released after the game came out? I feel like it's better as a follow up because okay. you'll start to appreciate certain things of like, oh, this this makes sense, more sense now. But you wouldn't have had that if you hadn't played True Colors. So, yeah, I would say play through True Colors and then go through this. OK, cool. All right. Um, Jonah, 
you buying after you buy your uh it it <laughs> it'd be, it'd be uh, and eventually if i really get into the series yeah for sure yeah what do you think Wes? well like i just alluded to i i bought two colors already i haven't played it cool. but i absolutely loved before the storm i thought it was great and that section where you you know are interacting with steph i think was one of the best parts of that game uh it's one there's of the something that's very much like that in this game that you'll really like that just brings it to oh no they wait sorry in true colors that you'll really like that brings yeah. that back so i'm excited yeah, it, for you to play that it uh, i played it a while ago i think it was like beginning of last year or something like that so it's been quite a while but that character really stands out to me a lot more mm -hmm. than a lot of the other characters that i recall from that game and so I if I play through colors, I can't see myself not picking this DLC up, probably. So I think it's a win. Yeah, for myself, uh True Colors seems like a really great um point to jump in on the series. Before we start recording, uh, I was reading the Game of Former review, which you did, Kim, right? For yep. True Colors. Yeah, and that really sold me on the game. Um how impressive the narrative sounds in that game. So yeah, imagine if I if I play that, especially with the tabletop role playing aspect. This is a a win for me. And, uh, you know, I uh met my wife before I ever had to delve into the world of uh, dating apps. So maybe I can vicariously get that experience through. That's what DLC. I like about it. Yeah, I've never <laughs> yeah. had to do. I was like, oh, well, this is Ooh, interesting. swiping on people. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So cool. Yeah. I guess I'm in. All right. So. Uh, a maybe from Jonah and two yeses. It's a it's a majority. So count that as a win, I guess. But, uh... I well, we've uh, made it to the end of the podcast. Congratulations, everyone. Uh, we'll just go around real quick and get everyone's final thoughts. Wait, um, what did I forget? The oh, end man, of the podcast. We have you? a whole segment. <laughs> yeah, you just tried okay. to skip over the game because you're nervous about. You know, it's, it's probably because or... I was in a car wreck yesterday. I'm addle brained. I can't keep track of anything. So yeah, uh, I will turn the podcast over to Wes Bates for the game. Thank you. Let's not forget. I put a lot of time in this game. Yeah, man. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> All good. Um, okay, so. Since uh, since Kim is on the show, anybody that uh, knows her, follows her, uh, knows that she is a very, very big JRPG or RPG enthusiast. Um, so I thought it would be fun to do a little a little game uh, talking about RPG kingdoms, realms, and worlds. So I've created a, a short trivia game. It's multiple choice, uh, but it's called JR, or sorry, it's RP Geography. And so how this game works is I'm going to give you the name of a kingdom, realm, or world. And I'm going to give you three options, and you have to tell me which game that uh, kingdom, realm, or world came from. All right. Oh, any go. questions? Uh, no, no. It's, it's everybody. Uh, everybody gives their own answers what they think. Cool. I'll keep score for everyone. Sweet. Oh, you're going to keep score? Yeah. Cool. That makes it easy for me. <laughs> <laughs> any questions before we get started? Let's do it. Let's go, hey, let's, let's go. All right. All right, the first location. Granzis. 
is Granzis from A, Breath of Fire, B, Dragon's Dogma, or C, Grandia 2? Gonna go Dragon's Dogma on this one. I've only played one of these games, so Dragon's Dogma. Uh, it's okay to copy our answers if we seem confident. <laughs> or lack thereof confidence. I feel like I know this and that's what's bothering me. And I'm blanking. Um, this one's for the hashtag and his shout out to Wout. I'm going to copy their answer. All right. It is B, Dragon's Dogma. Woo! Okay, I haven't, I haven't played Dragon's Dogma. Woo, okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was like. I, I'm like, I don't think it's from the ones I know, but whoo, whoo. Process okay. of elimination. All right. All right. I'm glad I, I followed the crowd. It <laughs> <laughs> was a wise choice. <laughs> the, next, the next location, Rivalon. Is Rivalon from A, Pillars of Eternity, B, Tales of Symphonia, or C, Divinity, Original Sin 2? Oh, man. C. Yeah, I'm going to go C. I um, thought you said Revlon at first. I was like, makeup? I, I'm pretty sure, yeah, it's C, because I've played like 80 hours of that game, and it seems right. So. It's C, Divinity, Original Sin 2. Yay! Those are the three of us. <laughs> All right, the next one is Lindblum. Is Lindblum from Trials of Mana, Final Fantasy IX, or Dragon Quest VII? I'm just gonna guess nine because I have a weird gut feeling, but I have no idea really, so. I am gonna copy Caden's answer because I have no idea. <laughs> Lindblum. What are you what are you thinking uh what earthbound place? Well Limbloom apparently. Isn't there a Limbloom in <laughs> Is it Limbloom or Blom pronunciation? L I N D B L U M. I think it's if I butcher the pronunciation. I mispronounce everything and I get called on it, so don't worry about it. <laughs> this is Oh, so with a U. What are the options again? Trials of Mana, Final Fantasy IX, or Dragon Quest Seven. Going with Final Fantasy IX. It's Final Fantasy IX! Yeah! <laughs> Riding those coattails, baby! If I recall, if I recall correctly, Lindblom was the uh, kingdom where you get the airship. Where the king had been turned into like yeah. a little like flea guy. Well, like, <laughs> I'm looking this up with Earthbound because it's going to drive me nuts. Sorry, Earthbound's one of my favorite games. <laughs> oh, and, like, that's I'm my all-time favorite RPG. All right, we're going to keep moving, though. Uh, <laughs> the next the next one is Gallia. Is Gallia Ooh. from Valkyrie Profile, Atelier Ryza, or Valkyria Chronicles? Trying to fake me out. It's Valkyria Chronicles. Going with Caden again, because I have no idea. <laughs> it's Valkyria, because it's not the whatever the first one was you called. It's Valkyria Chronicles, yes. I dedicate right. this one to uh, Jimmy Good from Critical Reviews, because I watched him stream, stream that entire game. Um, have you played it yourself? Yeah, I played through the first one, but um, haven't finished the second one. 
I have a point of order, Wes. If we all tie at the end, do I just automatically win since they're all copying me? Yes, yes, you do. <laughs> I don't know what I said first. That's true. That's Divinity. True. That was the only one no, that like, yeah. You win if we tie because I don't. I, uh, yeah. I... No, go ahead. I just. All right. The next, the next one is Trodane. Is Trodane from Suikoden 2, Dragon Quest 8, or Nino Kuni 2? Oh, Dragon Quest 8. So confident. Um, just for the sake of drama, I'm not gonna copy Kim, and I'm gonna say uh, Nino Kuni 2. For the sake of drama, I'm gonna copy Kim. <laughs> <laughs> you should have copied Kim. It's Dragon Quest Eight. Yeah. Dang it. Fell behind the I point. I love that one. <laughs> Either replay it. That was the first one I ever played. The first Dragon Quest. It's so good. Yeah. Remember King Trode from the Kingdom of Trodane. Yep. Then you said that. I was like, okay, that's one I actually do know. <laughs> For All right. Yeah. Uh, the next one is the Holy Kingdom of Fergus. Oh, is that so familiar? Fantasy Star Four. Golden Sun or Fire Emblem Three Houses. Oh, Fire Emblem Three Houses. Yeah, I'm gonna have to say Fire Emblem Three Houses. <laughs> Fire Emblem Three Houses is one of my favorite games, and that sounds familiar, but I'm also torn by if this was something I saw in Fantasy Star. Can we have a bonus point if we can name like which of the three? I'm gonna um... go I'm gonna go with the crowd again. Yeah. It is Fire Emblem. Yes. yes. Okay. Which which house was it, Caden? Oh man. Um, I want to say that's the kingdom that the um, Dimitri's from, the blue guy with the blonde hair. You're correct. It is the yes. Blue Lions. That's the guy. I don't. Yeah. Can I have okay. a bonus point for that? That's the guy. I don't no. Like. No bonus <laughs> point. <Okay. laughs> You're just trying to tie with me. I, I got to claw back. Yeah. All right. The next one, and I apologize again if I screw up the pronunciation. Liberal. Mm. Liberal. L-I-B-E-R-L. Interesting name. <laughs> is that is that Trails of Cold Steel, Radiant Historia, or Octopath Traveler? God. I'm just going to say Octopath Traveler because it's the only one I've played, but I have no idea. Is it neighboring the kingdom of Conservatoria? No. <laughs> <laughs> I was just gonna say Octopath, not copying Caden this time. I was just guessing, so I'm gonna say legitimate Octopath. answer. Yeah, legitimate answer. I'm what so... are the other Octopath? It was Trails of Cold Steel, Radiant Historia, or Octopath. God, it's been forever since I've played Radiant Historia, so I wouldn't even remember. <sighs> Sounds like something dumb Cold Steel would do. Yeah. I'm gonna go with Cold Steel to be different, and I'm gonna be feel bad because I have a feeling I'm wrong. But it's Cold Steel. Oh! oh. Do you like the magic there? It sounds like something dumb Cold Steel would do. Yeah, I threw that head of Jota by one point. I threw that one in just for you, Kim, because I know you're a big trail. Of yeah, Cold no, Steel. I was yeah. like, I think that's Cold Steel, but like, it's one of those things where you go, is that too obvious that that is in there? Like, am I thinking? And then it's been forever since I've played Radiant Historia, which is a great game, by the way, and I wish there were more ways to play it. Because yeah. I need, I'm due for a replay on that. Yep. All right, next one, Evilise. 
is Ivalice from Final Fantasy Tactics, Final Fantasy Twelve, or Vagrant Story. I'm gonna let everybody else answer first because I definitely know the answer to this. Uh, I'm gonna say Final Fantasy Tactics based on Caden's confidence. <laughs> That's tactics. Um, this is weird because it's it's definitely Final Fantasy twelve, but I think Tactics and twelve might take place in the same world. But I'm saying oh. Final Fantasy twelve. And I so. I hate Final Fantasy twelve. We've been through this before, yeah. so <laughs> it's a tr it's a trick question. Evilise is in all three games. Oh, <laughs> So what was the Vagrant stories also in Evil East? That's so interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess, yeah, I guess, yeah. So cool. Mm. Good trick question. Like yeah. it. All right. Yeah. Well, it's a it's a positive trick question. Nobody loses. <laughs> Yay. Uh, the next one. Tamriel is Tamriel from Dragon Age, Elder Scrolls, or Neverwinter Nights? I also Elder Scrolls. Okay. Well, he knows it too. Elder, Elder Scrolls, Scrolls. Yeah. Don't they have like an expansion or something named after it? Or isn't that what uh, uh, I mean, Elder Tam Scrolls? All Tamriel is the Tamriel yeah. is the name of the whole like vicinity where yeah. all like Skyrim and yeah. All but of, I thought they know, have they're, like they're I thought it's in one of their so. game titles. I think or, like, the something. online one has like a subtitle. Yeah, just it's like, like Elder, Elder Scrolls, Scrolls online. Yeah, Tamriel online. Tamriel online. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Thanks, yeah. Thanks Ken. You got it. A tongue tied there. <laughs> Alright, three more. The next one is the next one is Goza. Is Goza from Wild Arms, Lost Odyssey, or Chrono Cross? Oh lord. Goza? That's too close to Goatsy. Um we'll say uh, I'm just gonna say Lost Odyssey just because I really want to play that game but I haven't been able to yet, so represent. So it's Wild Arms. <laughs> What were the other ones besides Chrono Cross, Chrono Cross, Lost Odyssey? I'm gonna go with Wild Arms. I'm gonna split the difference and go right in the middle, whatever one they didn't pick. Okay, so Jonas says Chrono Cross. The answer was Lost Odyssey. Oh, you goats to be <laughs> kidding me! <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. So Kim is in the lead with one point, and Jonah and I are tied. Oh gosh! All right, we got we got two left. No. The next one is more Ardain. More Ardain is more Ardain from Xenoblade Chronicles: Path of Exile or Planescape Torment. Oh, whoa! I thought I knew, but I have no idea. Only one of these is a JRPG. So. Well, this isn't all JRPGs. This is RPG. Uh, okay. Yeah, it's RPGography. <laughs> what was the first option? Xenoblade Chronicles. Uh, the only one of these I've played is Path of Exile, and it's like ringing a bell, so I'm just going to guess Path of Exile. So. I will also say Path of Exile. <laughs> I honestly f don't know. Oh, and I don't want to like go with the crew either. Oh god. Xenoblade or Planescape? Maybe not going with the crew. I'll go Planescape. The answer was Xenoblade. Oh man, I see I told you it was a JRPG. 
Got you on that one. All right, yeah. here's the the last one. Oh no. Eagle Land. What? Is Eagle Land? <laughs> is Eagle Land from Blue Dragon, Earthbound, or Sword of Mana? Uh, Earthbound. Like some Earthbound shit. Yeah, I was Earthbound. gonna say Earthbound. Earthbound. That shit I know. Can I swear on this? I'm yeah, sorry. it's it's all good. <laughs> <laughs> All right, it's been the everybody... entire time till then. <laughs> the Earthbound appeal. Okay, it it's worth it. Did everybody answer? Yeah, everyone yes. said Earthbound, right? Mm -hmm. The answer is Earthbound. Yay! I knew, that. Yay! I knew that. So how'd we do, Caden? Um, John and I are tied with nine points for second place, and Kim pulled ahead with ten points for the win. Yeah, he's gotta win with one point. Not my best work, but that okay. last one, the one in the Dragon Quest question, I felt good about. I was like, all right. I was surprised how many we did know. Um, I think I would not retain that information. Yeah, I was surprised that. by yeah, see, how many I knew. You know, it was like crazy. Between, yeah, between all of you, you got it. I remember <laughs> scenes and how games make me feel and characters, but gosh, I do not pay attention to location yeah. names. So this made me very nervous. Mm -hmm. You did all right. Woo. Good job. All right, Caden, well, you're allowed to close out the show now. <laughs> got it this time. Well, uh, I just want to take a second to thank Wes for running the game. Always a pleasure. We appreciate the work you put into crafting those for yeah, us. Yeah, that was fun. Yeah, so we'll just go around to uh, do our final thoughts. Um, as our guest, Kim, we'll let you go first. Anything you want to plug or social media you want to plug or just random final thoughts, just whatever you want to make of it. <laughs> Social media, you can check me out at uh, KSTAR1785. Um, and right now, like we talked about earlier, if you want to read what anime made it on our list for anime for gamers, we did anime that involves video games in some way, and there's a lot of cool and clever titles on there. Um, that is also on GameInformer.com right now. Um, and I think that's about it. I mean, I'm going to be reviewing NHL soon, so my sports fans, get ready for that. That's a game I invest like 500 hours in a year. So, oh, man. Uh, yeah, I'm excited because they're changing up the metagame a little this year. So can't wait to get that in my hands. And that game drops on the 15th so soon. Cool. Cool. Nice. Awesome. Cool. Uh, Jonah, final thoughts? Um. Big thank you to uh, Kim for coming on. Uh, it's always fun to have GI here. I've been a big fan of Game Informer. Oh God, since I was like a wee lad for like the last like fifteen plus years. So I'm like, this is super cool to meet you. Um, we've got a game club for Metroid Dread in November. We are still working on the date when we're gonna do our little meet up but nope, we got it we got it november 14th that's right november, november 14th, 14th. <laughs> november 14th is when we're doing our uh our game club for metroid dread thank you wes you are this thing would burn down without you i appreciate yeah. it <laughs> yeah. um but yeah be kind to each other have fun play games wes final thoughts <laughs> Uh, I just kind of want to um, just uh, follow with jo what Jonah said. Uh, just Kim, it's been a pleasure having you here. We really appreciate your time uh, and your willingness to come on our little show. It's been 
awesome. You had an amazing debate, and uh, I uh, I am honored to be able to to debate you on the show. So thank you so much. Uh, I will give a quick uh, Game Informer plug since Kim's here. Um, GI editor Brian Shea just started a brand new podcast. It's a Nintendo podcast for Game Informer. I just caught the first episode on uh, Friday and it's wonderful. So if you like Nintendo uh, and you want more Nintendo goodness, please check out Game Informer's new Nintendo podcast with Brian Shea. It's really great. All right, cool. So uh, just to plug our media, uh, we're on Twitter um, at uh, Great Game Debate, and it's spelled DB, the number eight debate. That makes sense. And then uh, we're on YouTube as the Great Game Debate. Either of those places, you should be able to find a link to our Discord, the Great Game Debate. And uh, everyone's welcome. It's a super chill place, non-toxic. Everyone's really cool. We just talk about video games and other media um as they've already talked about we do a game club every couple months or so um it's a great time so come join us uh my final thoughts uh before the show during our mic check i was reading a homebrew supplement for D with an ability called dexterous toes that lets you use your toes the same you could your hands and i haven't been able to stop thinking about making a spell casting character that cast spells with his toes instead of his hands um so yeah i'll leave you with that uh <laughs> i've been your host skate of laid and as always happy gaming bye bye, bye As always, a big thank you to our friend Miss Riven for the music in our podcast. If you like what you hear and you want to check out more of what they have, you can pay them a visit on Twitter at capital M I S T capital R I V E N seven one nine or on Bandcamp at Miss Riven. Thanks again for tuning in. Till next time.